Christian podcast community of podcasters together to discuss our theological differences with love and charity. This is a ministry of striving for eternity. Well, welcome to another Theology Throwdown. This is put on by those of us who are part of the Christian Podcast Community. Go to christianpodcastcommunity.org to check out all of the 50-plus podcasts that we have out there. If you want to listen to a podcast, we have something for you. So go to christianpodcastcommunity.org and find one that you like or find 50 that you like. We produce quite a bit of content every week, so if you want just one podcast to listen to and get lots of contact, you can actually search for Christian Podcast Community. We do this every month. We pick a different topic, and tonight's topic is going to be heaven and hell because, well, there's no controversy at all in those areas. Everyone in even the broadest sense of Christendom all agree or not. (laughs) So what we end up doing, I don't think we'll actually have lots of disagreement here uh, with things of heaven and hell, but we'll get into some differing views that people have with that claim to be Christian. We want to talk about questions of does hell exist? And I know several that will say, well, yes, it, it does. But there's actually a growing number of those professing Christians that will deny that. So we could get into discussing that. Uh, what will heaven be like? We might get into discussing things like that. Is there a difference between hell and the lake of fire? Who is actually running hell? So there's a lot of discussion we plan to get into tonight. But let us start by introducing the different co-hosts, and I'll have each of them identify who they are so you as our listening audience can identify their their voice with their name, and I'm going to have them share what their podcast is so that if you like what they say throughout the show, you may want to go check out their podcast. So let us start with the order that I have at least on the screen. Brett, we will start with you. Good evening, Andrew. Uh, my name is Brett Collier, and my, the name of my podcast is, a, excuse me, the Christian Rebel Podcast. You can listen to it at christianrebelpodcast.com or at the or at the community, uh, the Christian uh, Christian Podcast Community. You can listen to it on there too. That's a great community of awesome podcasts. I recommend that for everyone. Um, what we're doing on my podcast, we're taking the month of June off so we can schedule our and plan season two. Season two is getting exciting. I got lots of guests planned and. Uh, Looking forward to season two. All righty. Next on the docket is the Brooklyn Bomber. Is that that, that we're going to start calling you? You know, you got that that logo behind you there. But uh, Pastor Dominic, how are Thanks, you? Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. What's happening? Yeah, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi uh, here in um, cool Arizona, about 103. I do a <laughs> podcast called Street Talk Theology where we take theology and bring it to the streets. And I welcome all of you to listen. Um, we, I have a co-host that um, is in India when I can get him. We're about 11 and a half hours difference. If not, sometimes I'll go solo. We try to have some guests and we try to take theology and bring it to the streets. Andrew, just like we're in Manhattan, just, you know, in the neighborhood, just talking over a mailbox and just talking about the things of God. So, uh, we welcome you in anytime. Street Talk Theology, Christian Podcast Community, 
great community, so many things to listen to. Um, and I listen to them. It's my morning walk. I listen to one show after another. So, um, yeah. So being from New York, I'm just trying to think street talk theology. Do you, do you carry a baseball bat as you have these discussions in case there's disagreement? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I carry this, Andrew. I carry the Bible. Oh, it's a sword you bring. Okay. Yeah, the baseball bat days are over. <laughs> Keith Helsley, you, you're going to be, you're a familiar voice to those who listen to older shows. You've been kind of out of the theology throwdowns for a bit, but, uh, if you want to introduce yourself and your show. Yeah, sure. Uh, and by older shows, you mean by other podcasts or just not being on the throwdown for a while? Well, you, you haven't been on the throwdown for a while, but, uh, you've, you're yeah. obviously, you're, you're still been podcasting. Yes. Yeah, I, I have several podcasts I'm involved with. Mainly here on the Christian Podcast community, you'll find me with Quest for Truth, which I do with the co-host, Nathan Caldwell. Uh, he's an ordained Baptist preacher. And I was ordained a few years back as a deacon, but I'm not currently serving in that position. Uh, but, yeah, the Quest for Truth, we try to, you know, quest for, the, for truth. We uh, see what's out there uh, compared to, to the Bible, to stuff like you know, the worldviews that are around us, and uh, you know, try to do some role play and do a little bit of you know, picking out what the, the fallacies and arguments and and stuff like that. That's the main thing we do, and we do once a month try to take a deep dive. Uh, we going into the Book of John. Lately, in fact, since the past couple of years, I'm still in it. Uh, and then once in a while, we, we'll do an audio drama. But uh, we're in a holding pattern on that, but we're waiting for actors to get their parts back. Yeah, which is always, you, I've always said, like your show, you do these these audio dramas that the old school uh, radio show stations used to do. So, and that, you know, not many people do that nowadays. <clears throat> Eve, I, I try to pattern it off of that largely. What we do, though, is we we do base it on scripture. Uh, we're going through Luke, and we're we're imagining Luke's uh, own quest as he put together his uh, writings and you know, the people he might have met, people he might have talked to, and and those fictional might haves. We we do try to you know add some commentary, Bible commentary to the actual scripture. I bet he would never have run into anyone with that New York accent that we just heard. But yeah. anyway. Eve, you're up next. Hi, yes. I'm Eve Franklin, and I am a co-host of the podcast, Hi. Are You Just Watching?, in which we discuss a secular entertainment from a Christian worldview with my co-host, Tim Martin, and I'm also... Uh, part of the Christian podcast community and enjoy being a part of it. Yeah. And Keith, just you there, if you don't mind muting, if you can, when you're not talking, cause there was someone, some noise behind you last up. Well, actually not last, I guess I'd be last. So last up in the, in the list here, Daniel Minnick. Well, last and certainly least, this is Daniel Minnick, the host of the truth Espresso podcast. And, um, 
my wife co-hosts with me. We uh, chat often a lot about current news as is relevant to the culture war. We also do some series on uh, topics of uh, theology and uh, devotionals. We uh, recently did a two-part series digging deep into um, some encouraging names of Jesus. And so I invite you all to check out Truth Espresso and to mention Keith Helsley. I was privileged to be on uh, Quest for Truth with Keith uh, twice so far, so I really enjoyed that. So I encourage you to check out Quest for Truth with Keith Helsley and all the podcasts on the Christian podcast community. It's an honor being part of it. Yeah, you got you got me beat. I was uh, uh, he had me on many many years ago now, a long time ago when uh, on social justice before that was really a popular thing. He was he was ahead of the curve trying to get some discussion on that. I'm Andrew Rappaport. I am the executive director of the Christian Podcast Community. I have two main podcasts that I'm doing right now. I actually have five altogether. This being one of them that I host, but uh, we have. My Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report, that's Rap with two Ps. You could just search for Rap Report. That one is roughly an hour-long weekly show that goes into looking at Bible interpretations, Christian living, things like this. And so what we're doing right now is a series, basically through our doctrinal statement at Striving for Eternity, the ministry that hosts and runs the Christian podcast community. Looking into right now, the series we're starting is on salvation. What is that? Lots of fun discussion that we're going to be having through that series. Um, So uh, the other one that I have that I run weekly is Apologetics Live. You can go to ApologeticsLive.com and join us every Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time. We go... Go usually 8 to 10, but sometimes we go longer. We deal with a lot of apologetics issues there, but it has an open show. That's a live show, so you can join us and ask any question. What we say on that show is, I can answer any question that you have about God and the Bible. If you doubt that, take your hardest question, join us at ApologeticsLive.com at 8 o'clock Eastern and on a Thursday, any Thursday night, and we will answer your question. Just remember, when I say I don't know, that's a perfectly good answer. So, let us get into our topic tonight, heaven and hell. Uh, I don't think that anyone here is going to be disagreeing, but I'll ask anyway. Uh, do we all agree heaven exists? Any, anyone not agree that heaven exists? Okay, that silence was what I was expecting. Anyone here disagree that hell exists? I expected the silence there, too. <laughs> Because if not, we're going to have a long discussion. <laughs> now, I, I understand. I'm going to. I'll just say from the upfront that in case anyone um, is, is questioning or concerning, I, Pastor Dom will have a different definition of hell than the rest of us. He actually thinks Arizona is it. Um, it's not. Hell's a lot hotter than that. Is my theory. But uh, we'll, we'll see what, what he thinks. But let's let's get into at least the the really a a controversial thing that, see if any of you guys have dealt with this, but there is a growing number of people that deny that hell exists. Have any of you run into that or done any study in that area? I know that, uh, Daniel, you've done study into different cults. There's some cults that deny that. So any any of you that want to start with that, actually, I'll, th- I'll throw it out to Daniel because I know you've done some work with Jehovah Witnesses, and this is a big thing there. What What's the common view within Jehovah Witnesses on the view of hell? 
Let's see. Well, Jehovah's Witnesses would take uh, descriptions like hell, or hell as kind of a description for death. And so, like, even the lake of fire for them is uh, kind of a metaphor for um death itself and so those who are cast into the lake of fire essentially in jehovah's witnesses everyone experiences the lake of fire because it's just death the grave and you know except for those who would survive armageddon but otherwise uh, jehovah's witnesses don't believe in any kind of burning hell that's kind of different from even those within I guess the spectrum of Orthodox Christianity, which, which might hold to something called annihilationism or conditional immortality that actually do believe in some burning hell that annihilates or burns up people. But Jehovah's Witnesses don't even believe that. They believe in no, uh, burning hell at all. But <laughs> helps if I unmute. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. So, yeah, and, and that's, that is becoming popular. The idea of an annihilationism, uh, you know, some may know some theologians even. Uh, I think John Scott uh, started to deny the doctrine of hell. Um, and so we're starting to see some of that creep in. I do know that there is a, you know, a podcast that's devoted to that topic, trying to convert folks in that. So, Brett, you know, what what are your thoughts? And, and Brett, by the way, Brett's doing a good thing for those on, on the me. You could raise your hand if you don't know how. So if you want to talk next, you just click on the... Um, it's, on, it's under reactions if you don't know. Yeah, if it's under reactions, I was just going to look for. So just click on reactions and you can, uh, from there, uh, raise your hand. So, Brett. So my impact or what I've learned about hell from my friends at the Adventist Church uh, my wife's a member there, and I attend with her on Saturdays. Um, they don't—they have a version of hell that's a little different. They believe hell is going to be the fire that comes down to earth to burn earth, and um, that's where people that are have sinned are going to burn up. And they use that scripture, I believe it's an Isaiah, that will be walking on their ashes. And, um, and, and I've quoted them, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, where it says there's angels in hell right now waiting for their judgment. So to me, hell is an actual place. And uh, that's my experience with um, the uh, the Seventh-day Adventists. They don't actually believe there's a real hell, um, but there is a burning of people that have sinned, but it's going to take place here on earth. And they also believe in annihilation. I can't get the word. Annihilationism. Thank you. (laughs) That was a tongue twister. So they also believe in that, that you burn up. I'm still studying that. I think it's going to be an eternal punishment myself, but that's my experience with that. So let me let me put this out for, for all of us, is, you know, what passages, we, we, we will run into people like this, what passages can we turn to that would help us in the doctrine of hell, in explaining, first off, that it exists, and second off, that not only does it exist, but it is everlasting. Uh, let me, let me, I'll start us off with, uh, I'll ask Pastor Dom if you wouldn't mind starting us. Are there any passages that you could think of or that you would use to point out that, that hell first exists? And then if, if after that, are there any you could turn to to say, hey, hell, hell is actually everlasting? Yeah, these are, these are, these are good questions. And, and they're, you know, there's, there's always the question, 
that is hell actually created yet? I mean, like, um, you know, Brett turned around and, and um, profoundly said that the the fallen angels are in a Tartarus or in a prison locked up. Is the is the actual lake of fire? Is that literal uh, fire? Is it is it just as Isaiah says, the worm keeps going and thinking? But one of the passages that that's interesting to me in the book of Revelation is um, uh, in chapter fourteen, and and it talks about the another angel, a third one following them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead and his hand, he will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, verse 10, is mixed in full strength in the cup of his rage, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. That's always a question, because there you see, and again, that, you know, people will say, well, hell is separation from God. Well, it's never separation from God's wrath. That's for right. sure, because it says right there that they're going to be in the presence of the angel and angels of God, obviously not God's redeeming presence that, that we will be in by God's grace, but there will be a wrath of his presence. Um, but whether or not that place is, is actually you know, created right now, uh, that's been up for debate. Obviously, there's a prison, so, uh, but um, I don't know if that, but that's one passage. I, not many people go to that passage, Andrew, because it, it talks about that in in the wrath of God, in this hell, in this fire and brimstone, whether literal or however you want to take that, there's a presence of God and his holy angels, Um you know, because people say, well, you know, the separation. And I don't think you're ever going to be separated. You're, you're either going to be in um, you're either going to be in the presence of God in his in his new Jerusalem or the presence of God's wrath forever. Yeah, well, we're going to get in. I, I have some other passages. Let me see if, uh, you know, Daniel, you I know you've written a book on dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses. So you've had to. <laughs> You and your brother have had to deal with uh, some of these passages. What would you turn to to show that hell exists and that it is eternal? Uh, I know we could probably get into a debate with a Jehovah's Witnesses on um, the account of the rich man and Lazarus, but I know we, we'd also probably end up having to discuss some of the terms, so we might have to get into the difference between, you know, Hades or Hades and Gehenna and, you know, how they're applied and stuff. But, you know, we have the rich man and Lazarus where the rich man is dead, you know, and then in Hades, he lifts up his eyes being in torments. Um, we also have, oh, let's see what we have here. Oh, yeah, for, for Gehenna, the word for Gehenna that's translated as hell, um, this is where Jesus is warning. He says, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell or Gehenna. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So, you know, 
with Jehovah's Witnesses, it's like you die once and hell or the lake of fire is a metaphor for um, death. But Jesus says after he has killed, has the power to cast into Gehenna. (laughs) And so, you know, you have a resurrection of the dead. You have um, someone being killed and then cast into Gehenna, which I would say is the same as the lake of fire. And we see in Revelation where um, uh, Revelation 20, verse 10, where the devil deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, you know, Gehenna, the lake of fire, is a place where you're tormented forever and ever. The smoke of their torment ascends up forever. And that's what Jesus warned us about, that after he, after one is killed, God can cast into Gehenna to be tormented forever and ever. I was going to bring up that very verse in Revelation 20, verse 10, because in there, and, and some of the ways that you see it translated, is that death and Hades get thrown into the lake of fire. And, and you end up seeing that uh, because many people don't realize that Lake of Fire is only mentioned four times. We don't see it throughout the entire Bible until Revelation 19. <laughs> so in, in the verse you just quoted, the devil who had, had deceived them is thrown into that Lake of Fire. But then just after that, you end up seeing that in verse 14, then death and Hades are thrown into the Lake of Fire. And the reason I think that becomes important, and, and it says, uh, this is for, for, uh, Revelation twenty fourteen. then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And so, one of the things I point out there is the fact that, to what Pastor Dom said, I think that there is Hades, whatever we want to refer to this as, is a place of torment that exists today that gets thrown into a permanent everlasting place known as the lake of fire, which mm. may make a distinction between the lake of fire and hell. And, and you know, you, you were trying, Daniel, to differentiate between the different terminologies that we have in Old Testament, New Testament. We do have different terms used that could be, that we generally refer to as hell. And I think we have to be honest with the fact that, you know, there are words that are used just to mean death. That's, that's the reality of some of the words. But the fact that we see that should cause us to first ask the question, what is death? Because this is the thing I think a lot of people don't realize. Is death non-existence? This is a trick question. Pastor Dom, you look like you were going to answer, so I'll let you yeah, go. No, it's, I, once you said a trick question, you see, Daniel, how I backed up. I was going to <laughs> Mike, I backed up because I don't want to. You seen that, Brett? I went there and I backed right up. Right? Um, repeat the question. No, go, go ahead. You answer. Uh, is you know what? What is death? Yeah. Well, the Bible says that there's there's. It seems like there's a first death and there's a second death, right? I yeah. mean, so um, obviously the um, and, and that's, a, you know, the what's the first resurrection? Is that being born again? I mean, they, they, we can go all over the map with that. But I think the second death, I think for believers, they will not experience the second death, right? So um, what the second death would probably be, would be what we're talking about is being in hell. And that's what we're trying to discuss 
right now, what is hell? Is it um, is some depict like uh, Daniel said? Is it annihilation? Is it is it torment? Is it fire? Is it because um, you know Andrew? Fire in the Bible is used uh, at times literally, but at times it's figurative, right? Um, in fact, Gehenna. In uh, which, um, if I'm sure we all know, Gehenna was a garbage dump. Yeah. And that was in the middle of Jerusalem. And it always had kind of smoke. I guess they, I, I would assume they burned their garbage. Yeah. So Gehenna was something where smoke was always kind of lingering in the air. Correct. So obviously, um, it's hard because the genre, I mean, is it a literal and I, it looks like Daniel's leaning there and I'm I'm up for I'm up to be convinced. Is it literal fire? Is it the worm doesn't die? Is it you know, those are Andrew Wright, I mean yeah. it's, it, it's 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 the genre. Is there, it is it literal? Yeah. Uh, anyway. I mean it is it is a picturesque especially in Hebrew. Hebrew is a picturesque language. So yes, there is exactly. this element of it where is it gonna be as clear as we think? Is it a literal fire? I, I would say this: whatever it is, God is using no, yeah, the, the yeah. God is using the most graphic language that He can at the time to kind of describe it as a place you don't want to go to. I mean, it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, described as as being consumed in a fire that, but you're never consumed, uh, where the worm is just eating at your body but never consuming it. It's just yeah. a, a, the the idea of a constant torment. And there is an element where people think that's just so horrible. God could never do that because that's just a meanie. God's not a big meanie. But the reason I I said it was kind of a trick question is because most people think of death in the physical sense, in the physical only. So when we look at death, the, the easiest way to describe it is separation. So what is the physical death? That's the separation of our spirit from our body, right? So... When we die, do we actually die? Do we go out of non-existence? No, no. We will, just like the thief on the cross, Jesus said, you will see me today in paradise. Well, he wasn't going to go out of existence. Jesus was able to walk around after after he died. So he didn't stop existing. Okay, well, Jesus is in a different category altogether, (laughs) but we end up seeing that death is not the end. It's not non-existence. We, we talk about spiritual death. What is that? That's the separation of our spirit from a relationship with God. That second death or eternal death that we refer to is that spiritual death for all eternity. But it's that separation from the, a relationship with God. Now, I, I, I think, Dom, it was you who mentioned, maybe it was Brett, that, I mean, hell is, you know, a place where people end up thinking that it's a, you know, there, there, there may be some torment, it'll go into to either non-existence, but that this is a, a figurative type of place, not a real place. Um, so, so let me give two verses that I use w- when speaking with Jehovah Witnesses especially, but anyone that would deny the, that hell exists, and I'll make it easy to find it f- for you. It's the very last verse in Isaiah. So it's Isaiah 66, 24. So if you ever can't remember Isaiah 66, 24, just remember it's the last verse of Isaiah. But this is what it says. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me, 
for they for their war their worm shall not die their fire shall not be quenched they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh now this verse is very clearly talking about those who die without Christ they've been in rebellion to God okay and it's saying a couple things that, that worm that's going to be eating at them never dies so it's always eating at them. The fire they're in is never quenched. It, it never goes out. And they will be in abhorrence to all flesh. And so this is saying the idea that this fire it does not go out. It, it's never quenched. I remember my son, oh, I, I can't remember how old he was, maybe five or six years old. And there was a discussion on, because we had some Jehovah's Witnesses coming by the house and got into this discussion of hell and fire not quenching and he he ended up at five years old said dad you ever you ever think that maybe the hell is in the sun i said why is that he goes because that's a big ball of fire that never goes out (laughs) and the next time drove witnesses came over i pointed out you know here you you want a fire that does you because there are arguments always oh fires always get consumed and i would say what about the burning bush there's a fire that you know wasn't consuming the bush uh, but I said, what about, you know, the sun? And they said, well, eventually it's going to burn out. Well, we believe that. We haven't seen that. But here's a better verse for you. And I'll tell you how to, a way to remember this. It's Daniel 12, 1 and 2. Now, it's really Daniel 12, 2. But if you just remember Daniel 1, 2, 1, 2, this will help you to, to remember the spot. But it's Daniel 12, 2 says this. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, the reason I bring this one up with people that deny the everlasting nature of of hell or of the lake of fire is the fact that in whatever context you have everlasting life is the same everlasting contempt. So you can't say that one is everlasting meaning that it goes on forever and ever and ever, but the other does not. The other stops. And so a big part of this, though, comes into the question of, you know, what is death? And so if we see death as separation rather than non-existence, this clarifies it, which the reality is none of us believe in in that death is non-existence. I, I don't know anyone that actually believes that. I say that because of the fact that those even Jehovah's Witnesses believe that when believers die they continue to live so it's not it's not a non-existence the way some would say any any thoughts on that oh brett go ahead you raise your hand and then we'll go to dominic um seventh day adventists you're talking about death they believe in um what is called soul sleep i don't know if you heard of that yes where where their soul is uh, asleep and and they don't wake up until jesus returns so i wanted to hear what you guys think about that because i have problems rebutting it with them for some reason because they know their stuff and and every time I try to debate with them or talk with them about it, I have problems finding scripture for some reason to um, talk about it with them. Well, Daniel, you had your hand up. I don't know if I'll let you answer that one first, and then I'll give. I, I actually already gave what would be my answer, but. Oh yeah, I don't know if I. I was raising my hand about uh, what you're talking about, Andrew, with the. Um, 
the question, the Daniel twelve two about like I don't know if you've heard uh, annihilationists or uh, those who hold to conditional immortality mm-hmm. uh, explain that everlasting contempt means like the the contempt for someone's um, record of existence or such their life you know they will go on forever um, being contemptuous among those who see their remains or you know recall their existence and so on like that so the effects of the punishment are everlasting but not it's not saying that the consciousness is everlasting (laughs) yeah and so so i'll I'll do i'll address that and then and we could get to brett's but yeah the, the word there for contempt is only used in two places in all of scripture and i actually read both of them the other place is, is Isaiah sixty six twenty four, <laughs> where the fire never is quenched, <laughs> right? So it's in that same context. Now, what they'll do is they jump all over to try to say that the fire does go out, but they ignore these passages that say it, it doesn't. And so you brought up some things, right? So we have soul sleep, the idea that people die, and they're just... Soul sleep is the idea that people go into a kind of a unconscious state until judgment. And then at the judgment, they are they, they come back to a consciousness. God judges the living and the dead. The living go on to live, and the dead go into non-existence. And in that non-existence, that's the idea. It's not that it's a, a, a punishment. It's not that there's a hell. You just go into non-existence. That doesn't match with what we read in Daniel 12, 2 and Isaiah 66, 24, that this is everlasting. This It doesn't match with, as Pastor Dom mentioned, Gehenna, that Jesus used as an illustration of a place that is always burning, and it is you know a place of to avoid. So it, it doesn't seem, in one sense, to say, well, that does that match with the scriptures. But here's another thing we should always do in theology. This is on, if you guys take the, at Striving Fraternity, we have a academy, and if you take course, my course on systematic theology, I'm constantly reminding people to look at the nature of God. What's the nature of God? Well, is God just? And people will say yes. And Brett, this is how I try to argue with them. I'll ask, is God just? Yes. Is God holy? Yes. Is God wrathful? And they go, oh, no, 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 no. He's, no, that, that one they don't accept. They, they don't like that one. But that's not what he says in Romans chapter 9. 9.22 says, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patient vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? So God is a wrathful God. Now the question becomes is, is he infinite whole, infinitely holy, infinitely just, infinitely wrathful? The answer to that is yes. So if he puts people out of existence, does that put on display these attributes? The answer would be no. Because he's not really, it, it, it's, it doesn't become true justice because they're not paying the full weight of sin. And, and I would argue it back to the gospel, which is what you want to get to with them, Brett, right? The way to argue it back to the gospel is the fact that it took an eternal being. This is, you know, for Jehovah's Witnesses, why Jesus had to be God. It took an eternal being to pay the eternal fine. If Jesus wasn't eternal, he can't pay an eternal fine. And, and let me just wrap up with one thing that um, uh, that 
Daniel had said, which is the idea that you have within the current movement uh, of continuational, uh, of, you know, this, conti- um, I'm forgetting the wording, Daniel, you just used it. Conditional, Conditional immortality. Thank you. Conditional immortality. The idea they have there is that we, all of us are looking at going to non-existence until we get saved. And when we get saved, we get eternal life. And so that, that non-existence is conditional on whether we accept Christ or not. So there what you have is those who accept Christ get eternal life, and the others go into non-existence when they die. Now, there are some that hold to, to also to a soul sleep. So, Brett, I don't know if that helps to answer the question. It was a little bit longer. Keith, I saw your hand up there if you want to unmute. And, and we give Keith a little bit more time to unmute. For folks who don't know, Keith is, is legally blind. So he, he, he can't just click a button as he, easy as we do. He got it, Andrew. He's yep. unmuted now. Yeah, here I am. Yeah, actually, I was just playing with the hand thing, but uh, I, there are some good uh, remarks there. I, I guess I've always lived in a, a good, uh, solid Christian bubble because everybody I know is Christian believes in an eternal hell and an eternal heaven. Uh, and uh, I, I only learned about some of these other things, like nihilism, uh, after I got older, and I thought, when I first heard about that, people think, you know, you kind of just burn up like a cinder and then you cease to exist. Well, that, like Andrew was saying, if that's true, then it's not eternity. And, uh, I mean, I, I believe that uh, everybody, once you physically die, you are still, you still exist spiritually somewhere. And uh, as pointed out, it depends on whether you accept Jesus, or are you going to be in God's grace or his wrath? And, uh some people think, well, maybe don't you think uh, there's a way uh, once you die to earn your way back uh, to, to heaven? I thought, well, you're talking about uh, you know purgatory. I think no. <laughs> yeah, all that does is it wins your way to the lake of fire eventually. Um, but yeah, there's different views. I, I also heard one where. Uh, hell is just a, a dark, murky place uh, where you know it's not a, a lake of fire per se. It's just uh, a, a dark place where people go and their souls wander around. Uh, you know that kind of a thing. Yeah, when we we should get into what is that that place because that becomes important. Uh, Daniel, you had your hand up. Oh yeah, so I wanted to kind of address what Brett brought up about soul sleep because I know when we're talking about kind of the eschatology of eternality, like heaven and hell, there's a lot of facets to it because you know in some passages we have to distinguish between like the intermediate state, you know, like what happens to someone right now when they die, and the eternal state, such as you know and in the eschaton or when Jesus comes back and then you have the lake of fire and stuff. So even with unbelievers and believers, there's a distinction with regarding um, the intermediate state as in what happens right now and uh, what happens in the future. And 
but so soul sleep is the idea and you know some people can hold to soul sleep and hold to annihilation i've actually seen some people hold to soul sleep and then a resurrection and then an eternal punishment (laughs) but um so soul sleep addresses the intermediate state like what happens right now like are we asleep until the resurrection and then we see eternity but um for soul sleep uh second corinthians 5 verses 6 through 8 um paul refers to says we are always of good courage we know that while we are at home in the body we are uh, away from the lord for we walk by faith not by sight yes be of good courage we would rather be away from the body and at home with the lord so first he says while we are at home in the body we are away from the lord but we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So you have the, the correlation there. So when we're in the body, we're not with the Lord. But if we are away from the body, we are with the Lord. Um, and we know Jesus is in heaven. So then there's, you know, so we're in heaven with Christ when we die in the intermediate state. And then that's a separate question from, well, what happens when Jesus returns and the new heaven and new earth, which I could, we could probably talk about maybe later. But as far as the intermediate state, I would say we're in heaven with Christ. I don't know for certain what we do in heaven. If we're kind of in a state, I would call like, you know, just blissful conscious rest (laughs) or um, if we're actively reigning in some way from heaven with Jesus, but whatever the case, I believe we're consciously in heaven um, away from the body awaiting the blessedness of the resurrection. Okay. Pastor Dom, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I was just, you know, I, 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 that soul sleep and all that. I mean, uh, you've heard so many arguments with that, but I was reading an article that was interesting, Andrew, and it said that hell is a place of torment, not torture. Because, you know, people think sometimes it's torture, but it's more torment. So I, and that's a, you know, torment in what way is it? Is it more cognitive? Is it physical? Is I, you know, I think of it more cognitive than it is physical. Um, but it can be both, obviously, you know, because it is a spiritual body, right? So it would be, uh, it would be a, if it's going to be torment, it's going to be a spiritual torment. Um, but I, I think more of the cognitive aspects So maybe some thoughts on that. I don't know if that's off topic. but No, that, I mean, that's fine. It's on topic. I think um, my view, at least, is that when we die, our, our, as Daniel just read, 2 Corinthians 5, also we you know, as we see with Christ himself saying to the the thief on the cross today, you'll be with me in paradise. Moment we die, we're present with the Lord or not, mm-hmm. right? So it's either heaven or hell at that moment. <clears throat> it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. It, it doesn't seem to indicate there's some time period. So with that, what I think you end up seeing is that our spirit goes to a temporary place, call it hell, call it heaven, that is later reunited with our physical body and then gets put into the lake of fire or the new heaven. Uh-huh. And so so I think that there's an aspect, clearly there is an aspect that is conscious and, and everlasting, that it is a, we are going to be aware in our next life. So those that are in this place of hell are completely aware, they're conscious for it. 
But whether there's a physical element, I would say that might be if there's the lake of fire, because as you brought out, if we're just spirits, we may not have that physical aspect, but that might be what the lake of fire would be. Once, so. the, once the bodies are... Are reunited. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. That's an, yeah. So in the beginning, then, it would be maybe more cognitive until that, until that point. I, I think so. I think that could yeah. be. That's e- interesting. That's good. Yeah. Eve, I think I saw your hand up. I think yeah. was, I think she was waving too. She was clapping. <laughs> she was, she actually hit the thing for clap. So I didn't know if. Eve, All right. Good to hear from you, Eve. <laughs> yeah, I've been listening. I I um I feel like I'm more of a learner on this topic than than anybody who has anything useful to add. But she, I, oh, folks, I, listen, listen. She says this usually, and then she says the line <laughs> of the show like every every month. So she goes, "Oh, I really don't know what I'm saying about this," and then like brings it all together. So just just as a warning. <laughs> um. So I I have been researching this topic and hearing sermons on it and. One of the things that my personal feeling on what happens to us, the soul sleep or whatever, is that eternity is outside of time. And Mm. so that's how God is omniscient and all knowing is because he exists outside of time. Time, as far as we know, in our mortal beings is a linear thing where there's a beginning and an end, but God doesn't have a beginning and an end. And as eternal being, time doesn't exist and so the concept of what happens when we die between now and when God reigns eternally, there would be no time because once we die, we actually exit the timeline. And so we're in eternity as soon as we die, even though the people who are still living are still existing in linear time. As soon as we die, we are eternal beings. And so the idea um I go back to Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says that God put eternity in our hearts. And also the fact that in the Garden of Eden, before sin, Adam and Eve did not have death. So they were created as eternal beings to begin with. So my personal position is that when we die, we are instantly in the greater the, the judgment. We, we instantly go from death to there. We may sleep as it is known, like Paul says, we fall asleep as uh, in, in Christ. And it might feel like sleep when you go to sleep at night, you wake up in the morning and all that time has passed and you didn't even notice it. And I feel that that in a way, and I'm willing to be educated on this matter because it's a personal opinion that I can't back up with scripture beyond what I've just said, but that is um, kind of my position that, you know, it's, it's kind of instantaneous. And yes, hell has to be eternal because heaven is also eternal. And we can't, as being eternal beings, we have to suffer either the punishment or the reward forever um, one way or the other, because you can't have one without the other. If it's not eternal in judgment, it can't be eternal in reward as, as well. So Eve, I just want to. Can I Andrew for a second? So Eve, you were saying that if when when we die, you uh, and again maybe I misunderstood this that we'll go into this sleep pattern until uh, or we'll go right um, because the Bible says absent with the body, present with the Lord. Right? Would that present with the Lord would be? No, I, I'm not saying that we're we go to sleep. I'm saying it right. appears to those in in life that we go to sleep because. My the way I read scripture and and I like I said I'm completely willing to be educated on this because I I don't have the knowledge that a lot of you have about the Bible but I my personal feeling is that reading into scripture it seems like eternity 
is outside of time. Mm-hmm. So after we die, we are theoretically no longer part of the timeline. We are outside of time. So in, in my mind, that means that con- time is condensed into beginning, end, and middle all at once. And so when we step outside of the timeline, we're already with God as soon as yeah. we die. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Now, because now- God... God is eternal and we become eternal as soon as we die. Now, whether or not that is present in with God or without God due to, you know, whether or not our sins have been, you know, washed away by the blood of Christ or they haven't. um, I do believe that in the old Testament, they were forced to wait because in the timeline that they died in Christ had not, it it says they died and, and were had to wait. Yeah. And this is, I mean, just let's be clear. We're really, diving into more philosophy now, right? right? And less theology, because scripture doesn't answer that. I I actually, I don't know that I would agree, because I don't think we could become eternal. And No, we are eternal. Our souls are eternal. That's the way I I read it. I I make a distinction between eternal and immortal, so let me define that and see if this becomes helpful. Eternal is no beginning, no end. So, if you guys remember in geometry class, you had an array versus a line. An array was a line with two arrows on either end saying that it's infinite in one direction, infinite in the other direction. Where mm-hmm. a line, you'd put a little dot, you'd draw a line, and then you'd have an arrow on one side saying there was a beginning, and then it goes on into, a ter- into infinity. I would mm-hmm. say that eternality is the, is the first, is the array where it is infinite in both directions, where what we are is immortal, we have a beginning, and then we go on for for ever and ever infinity in that direction. So, I guess what I'm saying that I don't, th- I, I make that distinction, God is eternal, we're immortal. So, okay. I think, yes, we go on for infinity, we never, we never die, we'll continue. But I don't know that our nature changes. I don't. I. I just don't know whether we're we're going to continue to be bound by time. I think we we have to be, but time would change in the way we perceive it. But that's completely philosophical. Yeah, and like I said, I'm I'm willing to be educated on the matter. I'm I don't hold that strongly. It's just kind of a personal theory that I've had and, based on some of my scripture reading. But you know, the the concept of falling asleep in Christ to me. When you fall asleep, it's it's like instantaneous that you fall asleep and then you wake up and you, there's no you, time passed, but you don't feel like there was any time that passed. So therefore, it would make sense that we could be absent from the body and present with the Lord because we would not mentally or physically or even in our spiritually see any gap because we fall asleep to our mortal bodies and, and instant, instantly be with the Lord. But there might be a time where we're not aware of anything like we are when we sleep at night. But like I said, willing to be educated. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, when we get into this, when I've spoken to people who have yeah, a PhD in philosophy, I mean, you know, when I think of those who are more f- the f- philosophers, I mean, I, I know having discussions with Greg Kokel, he would have a very different view. I would say God is outside of time, even like you had said. He would not. Uh, he would say we really don't have a f- real good understanding of what time is we, because we, we perceive it from our own vantage point. And so and I would agree with that, the fact <clears throat> that we can't understand it. And I think that's part of the under, the part we don't understand about God 
because we simply cannot fathom what it means, even yes. though it says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in our hearts. I, I think that's the part of us that doesn't think we're ever going to die. You know, it's that feeling that we're just going to go on forever and ever the way we are. And we don't understand the concept of death. Death is alien to us. It's a, it's a stranger in our lives and always catches us by surprise, even though we shouldn't be surprised by it. And, and I think that that is one of the reasons why children are so reckless because they honestly have no concept of what it means to have an end. We feel like we're immortal all the time. Yeah. And, oh, I'm sorry. My no, bad. go ahead. No, my bad. I'm fin. No, I was saying that and, and looking at Ecclesiastes and, and, and the scripture, I think more that, you know, that uh, God has planted eternity in people's hearts. It's just that people look for eternity in all the wrong places. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that uh, by by I think what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying is that we all look for this eternality. The problem is because Ecclesiastes is looking at everything under the sun until it gets to chapter 12. I think it's it's speaking to people that are looking for eternity in you know, like whether that's Solomon enough that uh, wrote that. There's a, a huge debate on that. But notice what the king or whoever's writing that is putting his eternity in, in horses and, you know, mm-hmm. women and wine and song. But the problem is until he gets to chapter 12, then the the dichotomy is basically si- as simple as you can put like New York style is, what you know, what is your, what, I know, Andrew, but right, <laughs> what is your, what is your eternity? Is it going to be in God? Is it going to be in things? So there's. That eternal, that eternity is implanted in us, but unless it's regenerate, that eternity is going to come in a lot of wrong places. I think that's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we kind of covered what, you know, does hell exist? We kind of touched on the fact that there might be a difference between hell and the lake of fire. There's different names for hell that some could say just means death, but we see an eternal component to it. Let me let me wrap up the topic of hell with one last question, uh, which I think is something a lot of people don't think through, or or people speak as if this is the case. But does Satan rule hell? Okay, Brett, you're shaking your head no, so I'll let you get started. Then then Daniel. Matthew twenty five forty one. Then he shall say unto them um, on my, on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So how was prepared for Satan? He's not down there ruling the place, sending his demons out to do his bidding. He's it's prepared for him and his demons and his angels. So that's the scripture that comes to mind for me, Daniel. So I have I have a few verses. So uh, Job one seven, where Satan's having a conversation with God, says, "And the Lord said unto Satan, uh, Whence comest thou?" Then Satan answered the Lord and said, "From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it." So Satan, you know. Uh, and I didn't write it in my notes, but he's also called the prince and power of the air. You know, he's not in hell, reigning in hell. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So he's on earth here, you know, um, seeking to devour uh, people. And then in Revelation 20, verse 10, um, 
which I read earlier, it's, yeah, the devil was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. So he's not currently being punished in prison or in, you know, in Hades or Gehenna, like some of the angels, as uh, Peter mentions, you know, if God did not spare the angels that sinned, but cast them into Tartarus and delivered into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, Second Peter 2, 4. That seems to be some of them, certain ones that committed certain sins, but not necessarily the devil or some other demons who uh, wander on the earth. <laughs> yeah, and, and as I said in, in Revelation 20, I mean, he's thrown into the lake of fire. So it doesn't sound like this is somewhere where he's reigning and ruling. This is something where he suffers the punishment as well, which then leads to a question. I'll throw this out to Pastor Dom. So who who is ruling and reigning in hell? Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to be, I want to be, I don't know if that's a trick question. You <laughs> I'm getting all these trick questions, Eve. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out to Keith. I'll throw it out to Keith Helsley. He raised his hand. Yeah, I'll, go I'll, get him, Keith. Thanks. You know, I, I, I throw buddy. a softball to you and you whiff. You whiff. We'll, we'll let Keith answer the, the, the easy question. Uh, <laughs> Keith, it, passed well, on, right? Yeah. Earlier, I mean, uh, I forget who said it, but it's God's wrath. That's it's right. Like, it's going to be ruling over heaven. Yeah, exactly. It's God's wrath is going to bring it the torment. I the lake it. of fire was made for uh, Satan and his his uh, demons, not for people. And so they're going to be being tormented right. right alongside everybody else. They're, they're not going to be, you know, poking with a pitchfork. It's all uh, nonsense. They're going to be punished as well. Uh, this time, you know, they're not ruling there. They're being tormented there. Which is, which is the whole point, right? It's this is this is hard for some people to understand that God rules in hell. Without a doubt, <laughs> yeah. I wow. mean, because and I think a lot of it because of well, because of a gospel tract, right? The four spiritual laws gospel tract that was so popular, and yet what it teaches is that God is not in hell because he can't be with sin. But Daniel, you just, you just read. Job, where Daniel, where Job mentions that that the devil appears before God. Well, obviously he can be in the presence of sin because the devil's right there in his presence. People, it's like I don't get why people can't conceive that God would be there. But the other fact is God's omnipresent; He's everywhere. It's it's not that hell is a place where God does not exist. It's hell is a place where no one has a personal relationship with God. They don't have a right standing with God. Well, that's what Revelation says, right? His prayer. I mean, he's he's over everything. Correct. I yeah. Mean, it's, I mean, he's. I mean, there's no dominion, no throne. He's over everything. Um, after Daniel, because he's got his hand up, but I got yeah. one other thing to okay, say. Okay. Well, Keith, Keith had his hand up first, so oh, let's I'm go. Sorry, to Keith. I'm sorry, Keith. Oh, is my hand still up? Yep. <laughs> sorry, I, I thought I'd put it back down. I can put it down for you, I think. Daniel, go ahead. So as for who reigns over hell, I guess if we're referring to Gehenna, the lake of fire, or Tophet, as it's also called, I have a verse, Isaiah 30, verse 33. It says, for for Tophet is ordained of old, yea, for the king it is prepared. He hath made it deep and large. The pile thereof is fire and much wood. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle 
tablet. So it seems like God is the one who created it. God is the one who rules over it. Well, that good. Yeah, I would. I agree because I think that God's ruling over God is sovereign over everything. And therefore he, he reigns, he reigns in hell. And that, I think that's the whole problem with hell is you have people who, they, first off, I, I think there's this misunderstanding that people have that somehow given a second chance, people would choose heaven. No, no one's in hell because they love God and just were wrong. Doesn't it say that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess? And that means even the people in the lake of fire will be confessing that Jesus is Lord. They knew that that even in their torment that that he is Lord. Yeah. I, you know, I've said this plenty of times on the street evangelizing. People go to hell. That's where they want to be. The, The problem with hell is God is present there. The very one they hate and rebel against and you say oh but what about those good nice Jehovah witnesses or mormons or whatever the group is that they love god they just have a wrong understanding of god that's the reason they have a wrong understanding of god because they hate the god of the bible so they create a god they do like that's the reason they have a false deity the hell is where they want to be they don't want to be with in the presence of god enjoying him they hate him Don, you're up. Yeah, no, I, that, that's, yeah. I, I you know, I, and, and there's another verse that's interesting that when Christ goes down and preach, that's the word, in, to the spirits in prison, you know, proclaiming victory. Um, I, I don't know, I did probably in one of the Peters, Peter, right? First Peter. Yeah, but that's an interesting verse, right, Andrew? Because the Bible says he goes and preach, he goes and proclaim victory to the spirits in prison. Now, you know, that, you know, and that's, you know, something that because the the enemy or the enemies, or if you want to go that route, the they are not omniscient. They don't know the future. And maybe who knows? I mean, when after the resurrection, it's all over. I mean, and, and the Bible says that he goes down and preach, proclaim the victory to the spirits in prison. Yeah. And and there there's a lot of question on that passage in verse Peter that you brought up because he mentions that these are spirits or angels that were not keeping their proper abode in the time of Noah. And so it seems that there's certain angels that are locked away now where other angels have some freedom. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, right. I think it's, yeah. And a book of, yeah, you got some that have freedom and some are, it's like prison. It's a prison. I mean, you can't get it, Andrew. You got to be in prison to get this. Sometimes no. Are, are you are you speaking from personal experience there, I'm Dom? Speaking from personal, well, not that way, but I'm speaking from other personal experience. You so, know, so let me just clue, let me clue the audience in that if they, in case they don't listen to your podcast, yeah. uh, before you were a Christian, you were you were in prison. You got saved in prison, and so the, for folks that don't get the joke there <laughs> that Pastor Dom is making, and, and I'm, I'm agreeing with, right? But yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, some people are, I mean, even some, there are some of, uh, you know, the, the fallen angels that are kind of free, just like in prison, there are prisoners that are free, but in prison, there's also prisoners that are on keep lock, that they're keep locked. There's a good analogy. You can use it in a sermon, Andrew, <laughs> but I'm saying there are, listen, there are some prisoners that are keep locked 24 so- hours a day, and there are some prisoners that get to be out of their cell all day long. So, but at the end of the day, 
they're all prisoners and they're all and and you know, they, the difference yeah. the difference would be in our justice system you have people that as you're saying key locked 24 hours locked down like guys who did absolutely nothing wrong on january 6th but for political reasons <laughs> you see brett you know you know he was gonna bring this up <laughs> but i think a guy I think, but, his, I think that guy got seven years today didn't yeah he? there was a guy they they wanted to they charged him for terrorist acts even though he didn't do anything he they they accused him of thinking of terrorist acts and so they 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 found him guilty for not what he did, but what they think he thought. But in God's plan, when we, we stand before God, guess what? He actually knows every thought that we have, and he knows it perfectly. And so there's going to be a complete justice. And so every person that is in hell deserves to be in hell. In fact, every one of us that ever lived deserves to be in hell. Yeah, that's the, that's the better point. We you all know. deserve to be there. Yeah, that's the, that is our starting point. And the, and the problem that people have is they think, oh, well, I don't do something bad enough to go to hell. No, no, no. you are going there. That that's your That is your starting point. It's just that God, for some reason, sought fit to come into his creation to die on that cross as a punishment, as a payment for our sin, and that we could have eternal life. That is the thing that should blow our minds. That's the anomaly. But let's Brett, let's talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go I ahead. Son, I was going to always tell Brett, right? Brett, all in Adam die, right? I mean, that's we're all born in Adam. That's right. Until we accept Christ. Yeah. So let's let's talk on the better side, right? We should we we spent half talking half the time talking about hell. Let's let's talk about heaven. <laughs> so we should always end on a good note, right? We we all have already said heaven will be everlasting as well. But what are your thoughts? I'll start with uh, I'll start with Keith because he was more quiet, and then I'm going to go to Eve, and so I'll ask my question. And then then I should say who's going to go, so you guys have more time to think about it. But but Keith, the question I'm going to ask is, what's heaven going to be like? I mean, what do we think heaven's going to be like? So I'm going to try to go to to I'm going to ask each of us. So I'll go to Keith, and then uh, Eve, and then we'll go to some of the more talkative ones. So I want to make sure we get to those that are more quiet with us. So well, Keith, I, I've. I've heard people say it's like one big long church service. I thought, oh no, <laughs> please no. <laughs> well, that's a, there's people that think hell's going to be one big party, and they're going to find out that's wrong too. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I mean, I think people will say that because if you read the scriptures that talk about what heaven is like, uh, it's, it's like pageantry where. You have the throne room, and you have the temple, and the sea of glass. And one thing I've noticed in those images, uh, there's no, there's no people. It's all structures. It's all geography, and so it's it's just like a static image of you know this vista of heaven. Now you also have heaven described as a garden, and I think that would be more appealing to a lot of people. Uh, to have a, you know, a garden of paradise. I think would be a lot more accurate. I I, I don't know. Your default speaker has changed. The speaker. My speaker has died. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I've been around a, a couple people when they're close to death, and the and they said they have glimpses of what it's like on the other side, and they always describe it as a a, a place of joy and love, and it's a garden, and Jesus is there. Uh, it's not like, you know, dressed up on the tie up to your neck and 
stuffy clothes. No, it's 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 all the best things you could ever hope to experience here on Earth, but it never stops. It's you know new every day. Well, I think it would be like a church service, but like a, a real, like the way church should be with, without oh, our sin, yeah. truly worshiping God. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Eve, what, what, what are your thoughts? What's heaven going to be like? And, and as, as a show, I know you do a show where you review secular movies and all. So I guess, you know, heaven is going to be where you're, you have no way of doing podcasting anymore. There'll be no secular <laughs> Films. <laughs> well, you won't need film because we'll have all of eternity laid out before us. To Amen. Watch. Yeah. Um, it, in uh, John fourteen two, uh, Jesus says, "In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I am, and I am going to prepare a place for you?" Um, so I guess okay. my picture of heaven is where Jesus is, mm-hmm. and and it's in the Father's house. And um, I beyond that, I I figure I. There's no way that we as an earthly capacity could ever explain what it would be like to be in the presence of the Lord. I know the few prophets who even came close to seeing him fell on their faces and or had so much light in their faces that people were were scared to look upon them. All the all the things that it you know it says scripturally to look upon the face of God, but when we're in heaven, we're going to be in his presence. So I don't know that we can as physical beings uh, physical mortal beings have any concept of what heaven is really like. So to try to explain it in our terms would be difficult, but uh, to, to just settle on the fact that we will be in the father's house and that Jesus is going to be there, I think is going to be plenty for me. All right, Brett, how about you? What's heaven going to be like? It's going to be a place of no more, it's no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. Revelations 21, four. I think it's, I agree with Eve. We can't, um, even find a way to talk about how heaven's going to be like. Um, I just came to memory, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We um, we don't know what, we have a, an idea what heaven might be like, but uh, to describe it, I think it's beyond our human mind and faculties. It's just going to be an amazing place, a place of no mores, like I said. Yeah, and, and let me just read the verse you referenced, uh, Revelation twenty one four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Preach it. Yeah. So, and, and I think very much like we said, we can't fully comprehend hell. I don't think we can fully comprehend heaven, and so I think he uses picturesque language like a... a you know, a garden and things to try to help us understand it. Daniel, what do you, what, what say you? <clears throat> yeah, I know when, often when people are asked about what they think heaven would be like, they think of the things they like on earth and how much, you know, they're going to enjoy doing that for eternity. But I like to emphasize my understanding that heaven is going to be very much focused on worshiping Christ, worshiping the Father, and we see that in Revelation chapter 4, where John gets the vision of heaven, the the throne, the the uh, the Father who's like shining in light with lightnings and thunderings and voices. Um, Hebrews, um, let's see, Hebrews uh, 1222 also mentions an innumerable company of angels. There seems to be a lot of 
praising and singing uh, to God and Jesus. And so, yeah, if I'm going to present heaven to someone that needs the gospel, part of the gospel would also be recognizing, yeah, would you want to worship God for eternity? You know, if someone doesn't want to worship God for eternity, I'd wonder if they, you know, believe the gospel because, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. And that's what I look forward to doing is worshiping, uh, being with Christ, singing praises to Christ for all of eternity. And, and if you don't think that that's something you'd look forward to, I'd say for the saints, that will be, you know, will be overwhelmed by just how amazing, you know, the depth of the gospel is and who Jesus is. And, you know, we can't stop <laughs> singing and praising uh, Christ there. <laughs> yeah. Dom? Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> I figure I throw a red herring into this, right? Because you always um, do. That's the New Yorker in you. Yeah. So <laughs> I believe uh, the Bible says the New Jerusalem is going to be coming down. I believe that heaven is going to be on earth. I believe we're going to have jobs. I believe we're going to work. I believe we are going to be in the things of God. It's just going to be without sin. Um, I just think it's going to be, and don't, don't get me wrong, there's going to be plenty of praise and honor, but I think our praise and honor is going to be how we live our lives mm-hmm. and how we work our jobs and how we, you know, because in the some of the um, uh, parables or some of the, you know, you, uh, you know, he gets 10 talents and go in and, and, you know, serve. I believe, I believe it's going to be, it's going to be on earth. It's going to be a renewed earth. It's going to be a wonderful place. And we're going to be living life and and, you know, um, I don't, again, I want to be careful here. I believe there'll be plenty of praise and worship, but I believe that we're going to be living a renewed life that never ends, hopefully and prayerfully, even eating. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to be facetious. I just believe it's, it's going to be life lived without sin, with the king of the universe ruling and reigning. Um, and everything is going to be pointed towards living for Jesus Christ, the true king of the universe, who died for the sins of his people. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. People make a mistake of thinking somehow work is part of the curse. And when we look at creation, we realize that work was established before the curse. Adam and Eve had roles Adam was to work. That was part of creation. So, yeah, I do believe we'll we'll have work. It just won't be with sin. It won't be with the sweat of the brow. He's going to undo that curse. That's what I believe Romans 8 talks about, that the whole universe is groaning right now, waiting for that all of that curse to be rolled back. Amen. And I would not be able to do all of this, but I would just say, if my view, read Revelation 21, 22, because, I mean, I'd like to take the time to read through all that, but that's, that is describing the, the, you mentioned already, Dom, the new heaven, uh, the new Jerusalem, but it, it starts, chapter 21 starts with the new heaven and new earth. 
then the new Jerusalem, the river of life. All of this gets described in those two chapters, and, and it's a great way to end the, the Bible in looking what we have to look forward to. But it talks about the streets of gold and all these ruby, you know, like why, why mention the streets of gold? It's the idea that the things that we put such value on, I think, in this, in this earth, it's just going to be what we walk on. In other words, it's, our whole value system is going to change. We're not going to be living for power and money and things like this. We're going to live to, to worship God. And I'll, I'll say this, and this may spark some discussion, but I think that 10,000 years from now, 100,000 years from now, a million years from now, we still won't even touch the surface of understanding who God is in the nature of God. I think he's so infinitely beyond us, so infinitely holy, that we're going to study him for millions and millions and millions of years and still not scratch the surface of his awesomeness. And think about having conversations with Paul and Moses. I mean, I'm serious. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean those. I mean, that's the thing because our jobs will be over, Andrew. Who are we going to preach to? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, there'll be. But I mean, just think about sitting down, right, Daniel, with Paul and and Moses and and um, you know. Uh, and I like the certain persons in the Bible. I want to meet them people. <laughs> Right. The certain person who said this. And those are the people I want to meet. Right. I mean, anyway. Yeah. I, I often thought like when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Adam, what were you thinking? But I, I remember as a new believer, I thought about that. And I realized, you know what? If I was Adam, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's like we give him a hard time. So I, I might have to walk up to Adam and apologize for giving him such a hard time. <laughs> but no, I think that that's there's going to be. A, a richness to that. And one of the things I always tell people when I evangelize is the fact that I end usually the conversations by saying we will see each other again one day. I, I believe we'll see every person again. And, and what's going to end up happening is I tell them, you're just going to have a perfect memory now when, when the curse of sin is removed and we don't have a, a human mind that's, that's cursed by sin all of a sudden, we're going to remember every conversation we had, and you're going to know you are without excuse because you heard the gospel today. And I think that the issue becomes, are we going to see you in heaven with us, praising God and rejoicing because you heard this message and repented, or are we going to look at each other and you're going to know you are without excuse because you heard the truth and rejected it? Daniel, your thoughts? Yeah, I want to kind of reiterate what Dominic said. So, yeah, I agree. It's when I said praising, I didn't just mean, you know. Oh, I know that. No, I know that. No, no, Daniel, I know that. I was just, oh, yeah, I know that. And you mentioned, uh, you made a good point about uh, the new Jerusalem coming down. And, you know, so the way I understand, and I know a lot of like evangelical Christians might just think, okay, we just go up there to heaven. We're kind of in the sky, you know. We just lose earth. We're just up there, and that's our, our eternity. We're, you know, I like think uh, Colossians one twenty and Ephesians one ten mention the reconciliation of all things in Christ, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. And I mentioned, yeah, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and, and the new earth. So the way I understand us being in heaven, also being on the new earth, that we, yes, we're resurrected. 
basically heaven and earth are kind of one, you know, we have our communion with, with God, you know, in the new earth and heaven's there too. Like it's all kind of one experience. And so, yeah, we're actively reigning over the new earth. We're actively communing with God and Jesus reigning with Jesus on the new earth. So yeah, we're definitely doing work. We're definitely praising while working at the same time. And yeah, I think that's, that's basically what the heaven is. I think that we're looking forward to. Yep. Dominic. Yeah, no, I was saying, you know, the Bible says, you know, he he doesn't make all new things. He makes all things new. Mm, good so point. So it's not, right? I mean, so it's not, it's, you know, he makes all, it's not all new things. I mean, he just makes all things new. So I always, I'm a nut, right? So I always think about it like, you know, there'll be, right, Daniel, no more cracks in the floor, Right. I mean, I mean, in the cement or anything like that or because I'm crazy. Sometimes I'll p- I'll pick up like cigarette butts and stuff because I just don't like to see that stuff on the floor, you know. But I know someday this this earth is going to be renewed. It's not going to be made new. It's going to it's it's just going to be renewed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, and I, so anyway, that's my thought on that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a side tangent. I think earlier in this topic on heaven somebody made the comment as some people think that when they're in heaven they'll be able to do everything they want to do and i was thinking that selfishness that Mm -hmm. we think of heaven is where we can be what we want to be and do what we want to do (laughs) and selfishness is the almost the original sin because you know eve was told you know you could be like god when and and that was the original sin is eating of the fruit disobeying because she wanted to be like god and it's like i think we should all caution each other over the idea of when we get to heaven we can be what we want to be and do what we want to do because that's the selfish human nature nature that's uh, completely twisting our idea of what it's going to be like to be in the presence of God for eternity. Amen. That's a that's a really good point because Amen. when I talk on different world religions, it's it's one of the things I do point out. You look at Mormonism or Islam, and I always say they're they're man made religions. Not I don't mean human made. I mean man made because what is it heaven is to them? It, it's it's all the women you can have. I mean it's just. Like especially Islam, everything that's like wrong on earth, it's they go to heaven. They're going to have women. They're going to have alcohol. You know, it's like they're going to have all this power and an arm. It's 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 just everything that's supposedly wrong here. Brett, I do have a question. Uh, I agree with what Eve said, but say my son passed away at she, he only lived ten years old, ten days. I would like to be able to when I get to heaven play catch with a football with my son. Is that selfish or is that something that I would like to do because I miss it here on earth and mm. I'd like to maybe go fishing with them or, you know, things that we missed on earth that we couldn't do with our loved ones because they passed away early. Well, actually, um, <clears throat> that brings up an interesting thought is that we didn't get into is what will our relationships be in heaven? Yeah. And, and um, I don't know, were you going to, were you just about to speak on that? Yeah, I, okay. I, I really, I re- <laughs> You, Andrew, you better not be reading my mind, man. No, I, um, I, just, I, I, you don't realize it, but I got a camera over your shoulder, and I'm watching what you're writing down there on your notes. See, yeah, I, I installed know, the camera was, in your office there some time ago. So, yeah, I better watch. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I've been used to being watched before, but that's a story <laughs> for another day. But listen, Andrew, you know, that's an interesting point. So here's a question uh, on that on that topic that you were just bringing up. Because this is, I think this is a serious point too. So there's two views on this. Being in heaven. Now, obviously, I want to be careful how I say this. Um, let's just say I have a cousin that's not a believer. And by God's grace, I'm in the New Jerusalem or whatever. But I don't see my cousin there. Now, is it going to be, just a question, is it going to be that my mind will be erased of saying, knowing that loved one? Because if I didn't see my cousin who I was real close, maybe I would be sad. Or will we be so, I want to be careful here too, so pure in heart because we're in the New Jerusalem, will we understand that not seeing, and this is hard stuff, mom (laughs) or dad, I don't know. The hard question, are are we going to be, I know, Andrew, you're ready to go, but let me just make my point. That's how New Yorkers are. Let me just get, because you know where I'm going, Andrew, because it's a hard play because is your mind wiped out? You know, yeah. that, which I don't think is the case, but I don't know. Yeah. Or are you just, all right, go ahead, Andrew. I'll no, 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 I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. No, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I, th- I think when we look, I mean, I remember asking my first pastor this question when I saw the verse that we just read in Revelation, that there's going to be no more tears. And I said, how, I don't conceive how I cannot have tears knowing that my mother who died when I was nine is in eternity in a lake of fire. I know some people think, how could you say such a thing? Because I have no reason to believe she repented and put faith in Christ being, being Jewish. Um, so I just have to recognize that fact. And I think, and he had a very interesting point. He said, when we stand before God and we're in a glorified body, he believed that we would have a better understanding of God's justice yeah, and know that yeah. every person in hell deserves it. We would we yeah. would see how bad their offense is to God, not compared to human beings. Um, and this is part of the argument that is made in in Luke. Now, what you have in Luke is they're they're the they're trying to test Jesus, and and he ends up saying, "This is Luke seventeen twenty seven. Um, oh, no, that's the wrong verse. I got I to gotta go back and find the right verse. Because I was, it's the one where he's, uh, do, 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 do. Go look it up real quick. Where there, there's, we're not given in marriage. We're, you know, that, that they're, they challenge Jesus with this thing of the fact of saying, okay, you got this, you have someone who is, uh, had a wife, husband dies, the, the next of kin has the wife, dies and so on so there's seven women seven people who who were married to this one woman and with no children whose whose wife will she be and, and Jesus response is we're going to be like the angels not marrying and giving in marriage we're not going to be having that relationship in the resurrection and so this is this is the thing that becomes different with this that we have a hard time comprehending is this idea that we would be having our, a change in our relationships, even with our spouses, that we'll, I think we'll know we were married, but we're not going to see them as a, in a special way than anyone here in the room. Yeah, amen, amen. Right? We're, we're going to see Good the stuff. value in everyone. 
Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, we're going to have a different mindset, Correct. right, Andrew? Right, yeah. Right, Brett? I mean, we're going to have a different... I mean, it's... I, I You know, I, and that's the thing I think Eve is speaking about, that yeah. that stuff we can't comprehend. Cause Not yet. Can, you know, right? I mean, that stuff's hard to comprehend. Yeah. So let me ask this as a last question. This, this is more of a, a fun one to end on, maybe. So what do you guys do with all the people that write books and tell stories about having gone to heaven? Daniel, I'm going to start with you on this one. <laughs> I mean, should we, should we, when we think about what heaven's going to be like, should we, should we go to eight-year-old boys who, who should we go to eight-year-old boys who, um, who, who write a book or really their dad writes a book uh, about what heaven is like? I know the wasn't there one recently is it heaven is for real or something yeah. that bip, turned out bip, to be a fraud basically uh, yeah uh, I, I so so yeah I, I could tell you about that one actually um and that's not the burpo uh, young no. boy it's the other young boy whose last name is malarkey a very, a very fitting last name but basically he had you know he had a near-death experience as I think a six or eight-year-old um and his father had written what was supposed to be his account of what happened after he had gone to heaven. And his father sold the book. It was sold by Lifeway, you know, one of the SBC. Uh, Take it easy, Andrew. <laughs> I'm just stating fact, okay? <laughs> but I, I will say this, you know, as far as I will give you some history with this, and you can verify it with, with Justin Peters. But Justin Peters at the time was, was, I think, on the board of Lifeway. And when this story broke, this young boy who got saved later on, I think he was a teenager, he and his mother tried to expose that the story is not true. That he never. That's exactly. That's exactly right. He never claimed his father just wrote this down and was making a ton of money, and Lifeway would not take it off the shelf, even though the boy came out with his mother and said it's not true. And what ended up happening was uh, the the boy and his mother actually contacted Justin Peters and and Phil Johnson, and and they were actually at an event, a conference I was hosting. And that was near where they they were where the where, where the uh, Malarkeys lived in uh, in Ohio, and they they asked if they can go over and and see him and and meet with him. But uh, so they had to make it public, and and it was only when the secular media pointed out the Malarkey of Malarkey's story that Lifeway took it off the shelves. They knew about, it and they they claimed they didn't know about it. But Justin Peters has been public with the fact that he knows that the guy who was running Lifeway knew about it a year before because he informed him. He has the email. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, like one of the things with this is we have to understand it's a moneymaker. Uh, and and um, I can't remember the name of his book, but uh, Jim Osmond has some books where he talks about this whole what they call heavenly tourism. So, so. You know, with, with that, let me let you finish up, Daniel. I just gave you the history of that because I actually know some of that. But so, what, what are your thoughts with these people that have these heavenly, uh, you know, the heavenly tourisms that the, they go to heaven and experience heaven and then come back to earth to share about it? 
Yeah, it's interesting where in the Bible we have the Apostle Paul said he was caught up to the third heaven and he saw, he heard words that are not lawful for him to speak. So Paul is an example, like we have no idea what Paul saw. He didn't, he didn't tell us. And there's the question of, uh, you know, the canon of scripture, because if, if people are getting these actual revelations of heaven or hell through uh, near-death experiences that seem to be more vivid than, you know, you can in any way verify, you know, like I think it was, I know I read uh, Mary Mary Kay Baxter's uh, book, A Divine Revelation of Hell, and some of A Divine Revelation of Heaven, like it's just definitely far-fetched there, and basically you have what seems to be revelation of divine truth that's not in scripture. And so, you know, I would advise Christians not to put too much stock in the idea of a near-death experience revealing truth about heaven or hell that's not in scripture, because then, yeah, you have sources that would seem to be expected to be in some ways on par with scripture. <laughs> yeah. Dominic, you had your hand yeah, up. I, I, and Daniel, Dan, and that's where you got to go to scripture because Paul said he couldn't even understand. And then you got these books saying, you know, they sat on Moses's lap or whatever. They, you know, but, but I'm saying, you know, and Paul couldn't even understand the language. And, and, and not only that, if he did, he wasn't, he was, he couldn't even, either he was told to, he couldn't explain it down here. So I, I would, you know, I, I, I want to be careful, but I would think those things are not true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at what Daniel, you're saying, Paul does, he refers to himself in third person. He doesn't even give his name. He yeah, knows, exactly. he knows a person. He like, this is not what we see in these books. I've always said, there's a book, I guess, I think it came out in the eighties about a guy who was shaving in the mirror. And as he's shaving, Jesus appeared to him in the mirror. And I always said, I, it's, the story is not true. And I had someone tell me, how could you say such a thing? I said, because he kept shaving. I mean, go read Daniel, read the other accounts. What, what happens when someone sees Christ or sees God? They fall on their face. All Daniel could see is his wickedness. You know, Isaiah, his wickedness before a holy God. You know, John, he, he's on his face. I mean, that's the behavior. You don't keep shaving. You don't, you don't have Jesus brushing your hair like Beth Moore says. You, you don't have splashing fights with Jesus in the Sea of Galilee. That, that's not what you do with the infinitely holy triune God. You don't play with them making snowmen. I mean, these are real accounts people have of, of these stories. You don't have, like, the, you know, the one account of, you know, of getting into a cable car and, and going up to heaven and seeing Jesus sad and he's crying. And, and you clear, this is actually, you know, what one of these faith healers, you know, claimed. Jesse Duplantis, that he was, he went in a cable car to see Jesus. He went up to heaven and Jesus was sad and crying. And Jesse Duplantis decided, Jesus, I'm canceling all my schedule today. I'm, I'm clearing everything. I'm just going to spend time with you. And he just comforted Jesus and, and waited with him. And then Jesus said to him, you know, I'm feeling better. You can, you can go back down to earth. That's blasphemy that the infinitely holy God needed Jesse Duplantis to comfort him. 
I got news for Jesse Duplantis. You're going to wish to have comfort in the lake of fire because that story just shows how irreverent he is toward who God is. A lack of understanding of the nature of God. Thinking God is like us. He, he is wholly other than us. So, I mean, and, and that's that just, some of the stories just get me, I, as you could tell, kind of riled up. And, and Because you just read these things. And it's like, do you know who you're speaking about? <laughs> I mean, sh- you don't even show the least amount of respect for the God who, who created the universe out of nothing and will be your judge for eternity. Amen. Think about Uzzah. Remember Uzzah? He wasn't a priest. He went to stop the ark and the Lord killed him. I yeah. mean, because of the holiness of God, right? I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, I mean, that wasn't his position. He wasn't a priest. He shouldn't have touched the Well, no, ark. He, he was. It was, it was, it wasn't that he wasn't a priest. It was the fact that he wasn't doing it the way God prescribed. They shouldn't have been, had it on a cart because right, you don't touch saying, the earth. Well, I don't think, remember, they left it in the house. I don't know if he was a priest, Andrew, because remember they... Remember no, he, no, David no, he, got, yeah. He, they were, David got the Levitical priest later? Yeah, he got, the, he got the priest to go. They went to get the ark and bring it, but they put it on a... So the way they, they were supposed to carry the ark was on, on poles. They were never supposed to touch the ark, so they, they put a pole through the, the rings and then carry it on their shoulders. And, but what they did, because the Gentiles had stuck it on a cart, they kept it on a new cart and and just rolled it on. And so it hit a bump, goes to fall over, and he's just trying to support it up, which you think is a good thing. But he's not allowed to touch the ark, and he was killed for it. You know, Ananias and Sapphira, they just told a little lie. What's the big deal? People do that all the time. They just said they sold all the property and, and gave all the money when they kept some back. God took both their lives because that's how holy he is. And if, if I think as a way of ending, it's those of us who look forward to being in that holy presence that can rejoice in heaven. But the reality yeah. is hell is a place where people, they hate God's holiness. They want to be in hell because they hate God. And so uh, let me just end with a, a quick gospel plea to any who are listening. You know, we've talked about heaven and hell. We've talked about God's holiness. We break God's law. We lie. We steal. We deserve rightly the the eternity in a lake of fire. All liars will have their place in the lake of fire. That's what scripture says. And so when we die, God's going to judge us. And it it is too late at that point to make a decision. It's heaven or hell. We have now on earth as the time to repent of our sin, to turn from trusting ourself as a good person or our good works or, or the fact that we were born a certain religion. No, we turn from, the, from self and we turn to Christ and live. And so if you haven't done that, my plea to you is to, to turn from yourself, turn from trusting yourself, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, have eternal life today. That, that would be my challenge. Amen. So, you know, this is part of the Christian podcast community. We're grateful to be able to be here with another Theology Throwdown. We do this every month. If you enjoy it, please share this podcast on whatever media forms you find. We hope that you've found it educational. We sometimes try to find where we disagree with one another, but we do it in love and charity. That's the whole purpose of this. But Go to christianpodcastcommunity.org 
and check out all of the Christian podcasts that we have out there. Thanks for joining us.